0: Uh, Today I'm going to talk about uh, the role of international transportation sectors in climate stabilisation, and um, being a bit cheeky really, I've managed to sneak my way on here because my research is looking at um, stabilisation at two degrees C, so I don't know how I've managed to sneak my way on today, but I did. Um, But we can link it to looking at a world of four degrees um, above, because as uh, we've heard already today, if we're looking at limiting... uh, emissions to 450 ppm. A lot of people have already started saying, well, that's not going to be enough to to limit uh, the temperature at two degrees C. Uh, We're looking more to 350 as being a much more likely case. Um, It's not looking like we're going to be able to achieve that if we carry on at the current rate of emissions. So my work, although it is looking at two degrees C stabilisation, chances are it's going to be looking at a world uh, with a higher temperature degree. So basically, uh, what I'm doing is looking at emissions under climate stabilizations based on current projections uh, on the SRES type assumptions. Um, I'm looking at aviation um, and uh, shipping has been brought into this today as well, um, and then hopefully see what the impact of this industries will be on uh, with the current growth expectations in a two degree world. So quickly, first looking at aviation and shipping, obviously there's a strong historical. Uh, growth and a projected growth. We all know about aviation, we all hear all the stories about it and whether we want to change our lifestyles. Um, shipping quite often goes underneath the radar, but it is quite interesting to think that um, about 80% of world trade uh, happens via the shipping sector. I mean, if everybody looks in their wardrobe or looks around their house, a lot of their stuff, you know, their clothes will come via you know shipping. So it's something that very much has kind of managed to stay below the radar, but it's going to hopefully be, you know, much more in the the forefront of things to come. Uh, Both aviation and shipping uh, are not covered by the Kyoto Protocol, although under Article 2.2 of the the, the Protocol, um, it did say that you should pursue limitation or reductions of emissions, but uh, as is always the case when something's not binding, that doesn't really turn out to be the case. So um, although they're not covered under the Kyoto Protocol, emi- uh, aviation will be uh, in uh, the European Union's Emissions Trading Scheme phase three from 2012. Um, shipping is not included in, in that phase. However, it has been talked that if there's nothing meaningful comes out of uh, Copenhagen uh, in December, then maybe it will be considered for future rounds of emissions trading both uh, sectors are dealt with within their own specialist un agency so there's already the um, structure there <coughs> to deal with uh, big international um, policies to do with this and it's really important to note that these two sectors do have complex non-co2 effects on the atmosphere i won't actually be going into much detail well any detail with these i will just be looking purely at co2 because uh, that's what all the policies are uh, aimed towards. However, it is important just to show you this quickly. This is the radiative effects of aviation, uh, 2005. Um, if you look at the far right uh, column there, that is level of scientific uncertainty, which demonstrates to you really why uh, carbon dioxide is really the only one that gets most of the attention, because there is a real high level of uh, understanding of its cause and effects, whereas you look at the other ones like, especially in the aviation field, uh, uh, contrails, contrail cirrus is a really big issue, but there is um, still a level of uncertainty here, which is why we tend to look, well, I will be looking at uh, carbon dioxide. Quickly looking at the, uh, the radiative effects of shipping, um, interesting to note that there's both positive and negative impacts from its emissions. Currently, uh, shipping has a negative forcing effect. However, there are um, policies w- which are reducing uh, the sulfurs and sulfate aerosols. Um, these are the ones which have the negative impacts upon the temperature. So if we keep reducing those, and obviously with carbon dioxide having considerably higher lifetime uh, atmospheric lifetime, then eventually shipping will have a positive um, forcing effect. So both of these sh- um, sectors aren't just about CO2, there's a lot of other things there as well. Um, They're currently not really being, there's no kind of policies in place with them at the moment. So, just quickly looking at stabilisation, as we've seen uh, earlier, it's the ultimate goal of the UNFCCC, um, basically stabilising greenhouse concentrations at a a, a level that will prevent dangerous anthropogenic interference of the climate system. And basically, stabilisation requires an eventual and sustained reduction of emissions to a subsequently... Uh, a level subsequently below current levels. There are a number of, well, there's a a couple of um, stabilisation scenarios already out there. The IPCC Working Group 1 first set some, uh, developed some in 1994. And then there's the WRE ones, which I'll be focusing on, um, which I'll just show you here. This is Wigley, Richelles and Edmonds, (coughs) who based their stabilisation profiles on the IPCC's uh, Working Group 1s, but uh, with a different pathway to stabilisation. And basically this just shows you the CO2 concentration here uh, on the left, and you can just see there's a eventual stabilisation of uh, atmospheric CO2 concentration, which uh, varies depending on your pathway. So if you look at uh, the 450, that stabilises at around 2065, compared to um, uh, the 350, which stabilises stabilizes a lot later at around 21 uh, 2140. Transferring, uh, looking at that in terms of emissions response, this is where it gets a little bit more interesting because you can see if we're looking at uh, a 450 and 350 uh, parts per million, especially at 350 if that's what we need to look at in terms of uh, limiting uh, our temperatures at 2 degrees C, that is going to require negative emissions. Uh, it says negative emissions there at 2065, but that's only 15 years later than the the current policies at end level at the moment. So it's really interesting to see that in terms of um, actual emissions response, it's going to need quite a dramatic reduction in emissions. So I've just put those there today just to show you if you're not aware of what stabilisation, what kind of profiles they are, this is kind of what we mean when we're looking at them. So quickly to look at the historical trends of aviation and shipping. First off, here we have got total fossil, fossil fuel CO2 on the left, and we have uh, aviation and shipping CO2 on the right. So we've got two different axes here, just to make you aware of that. And then, obviously, along the bottom, we've got from 1940 to 2005. 1940 we used as the the base, the main starting year because that's what's considered to be when significant aviation uh, started. And as as you expect, you've got uh, increasing trend in aviation emissions up to 2005. Let's add shipping onto that as well, and um, again, it's quite interesting. If you look at uh, the, the main uh, interesting part of the shipping one is in about 1980 to ni- 1985, which is when uh, shipping industry kind of changed it, uh, the way it works to uh, containerization where uh, container ships were used, so there's a bigger increase in avi- uh, shipping. So that just gives you shows you how um, there's this increasing trend, basically, of both sectors' um, emissions. So let's look to the future. Um, here you can see aviation emissions. Uh, this is based on the SRES um, storylines. So when you see A1, A2, B1, B2, that's based upon the SRES storylines that we've uh, heard about already. And it just demonstrates um, how there is an increasing, um, obviously increasing emissions from the sector all up to 2050. I've done to 2050, but I have actually, the reason I've done that is because that's where policies end. But if you want to see my 2100 slides, I have lots of them as well. Um, so we just can see, depending on which uh, storyline you go for, uh, there is a, a difference in the emissions that uh, the aviation sector will create. Compare that to shipping emissions. Uh, When we look at the shipping emissions, we have uh, a number of different... There's not just A1, A2, etc. We have A1B, which is like the A1 before, A1F, which is fossil fuel intensive, A1T is a technology-focused. So um, there, again, we have a similar uh, outlook here of uh, increasing shipping emissions up to 2050. So now just look into the modelling methodology that I have used um, within this study... Basically, I've used uh, simplified climate modelling. So I've, used, um, I've got the background CO2 concentrations from uh, the MAGIC model, which is a simple ooh, climate model. Um, then I have used uh, lingclim which is a, linear, a simple linear climate model, um, uh, to basically input in this, the, the CO2 concentrations into that. So I've used the IPCC's Third Assessment, third assessment Reports uh, RF methodology, and that gives me when I run that through the linear climate model, it gives me a temperature response as well as um, uh, radiator forcing and uh, concentrations of aviation and shipping individually so the marginal response of that particular part of the sector of the sectors so what are the results so here I have plotted uh, state <coughs> the um, the emissions profiles and stabilisation scenarios of 450 and 350 at the top, um, compared to the avi- aviation um, emissions there. Sorry, I the problem, um, So it's quite interesting to see that if we look at... This just goes down to 2050, and if we remember the previous slides uh, for the 350 parts per million, that went into negative emissions. Now, this, isn't going, this is inconsistent, really, with what aviation is projected to do as it's projected to increase, so if aviation sector is increasing its emissions and we're supposed to be, at some point, uh, having negative emissions, then obviously there's an incompatibility there uh, with these two, um, two scenarios. Looking at uh, percentage emissions um, for aviation compared to uh, the scenario as a whole, is it the share up to 2,000, so that would be 1942-2,000? A share of aviation's emissions was 2.1%. Now, if we look at what that percentage will be when we reach 2050, this is for 350 parts per million, obviously, depending on which storyline you go for. So uh, A1, it will take up to 32% of um, total emissions at 2050, going down to B2, which is 19 percent of total emissions. We look at um, the 450 scenario, Um, is smaller, but again, we're still looking at 12% um, total emissions taken up by just uh, the A1 storyline. And now you might be thinking, oh, this is, you know, this isn't too bad, but you've got to remember, this is an important thing to remember, that this is just aviation. This is one part of one sector. So we need to think about all the sectors that will be contributing to this, uh, uh, the missions under stabilization. So this is just one small part of this, which obviously will have serious implications. We looked, again, to shipping. Again, we can see um, an increasing uh, pathway of emissions, dependent upon which storyline you go for, uh, against uh, the stabilisation scenarios. And, again, it's a similar... Shows that, obviously, it's taken up a considerable amount of uh, the pathway. Again, the share of historical emissions to 2,000 was 3.6%. And, again, if we look, um, it's even bigger than aviation, that we have nearly 50%... Um, in some storylines being taken up by the proportion being taken up by the sector under a 350 um, pathway, and from between eighteen and twelve percent when we 're looking at a four hundred fifty pathway, so this is a really interesting thing to know, and if we put that together as a whole, aviation and shipping, which are just two elements of a transport sector under a four hundred fifty uh, uh, stabilization. Uh, we take the two extremes. A1 will take up 80% of um, total emissions. B2 will take uh, 51%. Under uh, a 350 uh, ppm, it'll be 20% and 19%. So, um, although I'm just looking at that, it looks like it might the other way around, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, sorry. So, ignore the, the... Flip them over, basically. So, 450 would be 20 and 19 350 would be 80 and 51%. So, it's really... Um, quite a scary outlook, if you think about it, thinking this is just one small part of one sector. This is why I it, ran it through a Limb to look at the, the RF and temperature response. Um, we can see that uh, shipping has a, a greater uh, RF response compared to aviation. That's due to the fact that it has been around for much longer, so it's got a, a, a longer legacy. When we look at total forcing again, like I've just done with emissions, uh, aviation, its it's total forcing is about three to four percent. Shipping is five to six percent. Looking at the temperature response from these two things, two uh, sectors. um, On uh, the left, you have um, your the temperature response of aviation under four fifty, which obviously is uh, increasing up to twenty fifty. And this is just remember, just a current. policy end dates, so we think this is increasing here, that's thinking if we're going to look much further, what if this is gonna increase up, what will the implications be past 2050? Five minutes. Okay. And, um, and then there's shipping obviously, which again has uh, an, an even bigger temperature response. Quickly again, just looking at this under a uh, 350 mm-hmm. PPM, uh, four to 5% of total forcing under uh, aviation five to six percent of total forcing under stabilization and again just to the temperature response which again shows just an increasing temperature from these two sectors. So what are the main conclusions that we need to take home? Well first <clears throat> I have to be uh, make it known that this is a mix of two world outlooks. We're looking at a, a stabilization pathway compared to an S-res scenario pathway. So we're kind of mixing two together but Really, the important thing is is that it is a first look at, sorry, I should say aviation and, and sta- uh, shipping there, a first look at aviation and shipping under st- stabilisation, seeing whether it will be compatible. Um, but it, most importantly, it is really important to provide some feedback of the future expectations to the both sectors. Um, the aviation sector, is. I know it's going to um, Copenhagen with some position papers to say what they feel they need to do. And... We need to have these studies which they can look at and understand exactly what their future might be. Um, Where to next? Well we've just looked at two little parts of the uh, transport sector. Obviously road is even bigger so it would be interesting to see if we look at that within that as well. And also how exactly are we to break down the uh, stabilisation as a whole to allocation levels? It's all very well talking about this is what needs to be done, we need to limit temperatures, we need to limit concentrations blah 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 but what exactly does that mean for each individual sector and how are we going to put this all together as a whole at at the end of the day thank you very much